Hi, I'm Wyatt. And I'm Grace. And you're listening to Our Dad and your host of the Vacation Rental Revolution podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Vodacy Vacation Rental Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Sean Moore. And today, we're going to have a fun little episode. I've got my right-hand guy, Scott Marshall, joining me. Scott was the my first um, the first employee at Vodacy, like very first hire that we had working with us as we're building this team. And so Scott's been around for a long time and he really runs any, those of you that get haunted on Facebook and Instagram and all of our marketing and copywriting and everything else, that's uh, Scott's behind all that. So if you don't like it, you can uh, shoot Scott a nasty, a nasty email, but uh, he's the mastermind behind all, a lot of our marketing and, and getting us out into the world. And so Scott and I are going to talk a little bit, and we're just going to have a conversation. We're seeing a lot of different things. We see a lot of things from our membership group and our mentor group, a coaching program. We see a lot of things from those of you that listen to these episodes, watch these episodes, and then it, you know, lots of people reach out to us on the different social platforms. So we're, we're in this game a lot, and we see a lot of, we have a lot of questions. We see a lot of what's going on out in the market, and there's some things that we wanted to just talk about and kind of riff on a little bit today. We're going to talk about the market. We're going to talk about supply and demand. We're going to talk about pricing. We're going to talk about where you're getting your information, all these different things. And so we're just going to kind of have fun today and see where this conversation goes. So Scott, I appreciate you joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm used yeah. to being a backstage kind of a behind the scenes guy. So I, we, we need to, we've done this. I, how many, have we done this once, right? Have we done it more than once? No, and it was a while ago that we that we got on these together. So yeah, you're always you're always uh, behind the scenes, kind of the mastermind behind almost everything we're doing at Vodacy. But m- most people don't know that you're uh, you're pulling the strings. They just think I do all this stuff on my own. Which uh, the the cat's out of the bag now. I, I I don't can't take responsibility for all this. Well, yeah, that's how I like it. But it is good to get out of the hobbit hole every once in a while and and kind of show my face. It's uh like you said, it's really interesting doing the tag team that we do because you see what, 30, 40 properties a week that folks are investing in actively currently. And I see probably that many social media messages a week of people asking crazy questions, being like, does this even work? I mean, I get every other day we get a message like, is this the real deal? Can you really do it? Is it legit? And it's just interesting to hear those two. And then we talk and it's like, how do we bridge that gap for people? Right, so, right, yeah, it, it is. It's funny because we always we have these conversations privately all the time, right? And we're like, we need to start recording these. Like these are these are conversations that we should just record and throw out there. They're they're very unscripted, but a lot of times we'll we'll sit and chat about this stuff because you're right. You see this, like all the messaging and stuff that we get on social platforms and all this stuff, and some of it's crazy, and we're like, where in the heck are they getting this? And you know, some of it's like, you know, all these different opinions that telling us what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong and, and everything in between. And, and, and I spend most of my time with our coaching members and our inside of that group. And, you know, and I just assume that everybody's running down this path and, and analyzing properties and understanding the deals and understanding the underwriting. And the reality is that's not the case, right? We, when you and I talk, we're like, man, there's so few people who really understand that how to, or even have a plan on the underwriting side of life. And, really judging the markets and having, you know, where are they getting their information from or where are they basing their their decisions off of 
whether it's market, whether it's the property specific with pricing, whether it's how they're going to go to the market and price their own properties. There's all these different questions and, and we see two totally different sides of the world a lot of times, you and I, and it's fun to, uh, we'll get on these on like a call like today and we'll talk a little bit about it. So what, what I, um, those of you listening, what I asked Scott to do is come with some of the questions that he's seeing a lot, you know, and say, hey, let's, let's just like uh, he's got, he told me about two or three questions that he's going to ask. And we just said, Hey, listen, rather than, rather than trying to decide what questions we're going to ask, let's just start with one or two. And then, cause he and I have these conversations a lot and we'll just see where it goes. So we, we, we don't know where this one's going to head. So those of you that are uh, listening and watching, hopefully this is uh, helpful for you. Yeah. Oh yeah. If you give me the floor, I'll dive in. Right. Cause there's a lot of this stuff that comes up for folks. And to your point, the folks you're spending time with day in and day out, they're thinking in a very different way. They're already in this game. They know where they're headed and their questions, how can I get there faster? So their questions are very smart that way, right? They know where they're going. How do I get from here to here? And you can help them. Most of the questions I see tend to go in one of, of two opposite directions. One is like, I'm not sure this is legit. I don't think it is, or, Hey, I don't like it. Um, or the others, like literally I get people every week and they're like, hey, I just bought this. It's not working. Can you tell me what to do? And I'm like, I'll analyze it for 10 minutes using some of the tools that we have. And I'm like, well, shoot. I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't have told you to buy that one, right? And so yeah. maybe that's a good place to start is uh, we've done probably a good idea of of a good job of showing how powerful this vehicle is. But what are some cautions that you would give to people right now as they look to dive into this? Yeah. Awesome. Love it. And so, yeah, to your point, we've talked a lot about this is saying, Hey, listen, we, we're, we've been screaming from the rooftops, how awesome short-term rentals are for the last few years. Like, Hey, this is such a fun asset class. This is, this is, this is what you really should be looking into. If you're looking at a really fun investment and something that can be very profitable and all these things, right? We've been really selling the vehicle, if you will. And now, though, there's a lot of people saying how awesome short-term rentals are, and we're actually almost taking that opposite approach. We're having these conversations internally saying, hey, we need to, we need to talk about when it's the right time to take a couple steps back and maybe not invest in short-term rentals, right? Some people, like, because right now, short-term rentals are, are uber popular. You know, when you want to talk about investing, when you're, if you're talking about real estate, short-term rentals are the shining star. And then the other is crypto, right? If you're if you, any other thing. So you got, you got short-term rentals and crypto that are like the two hot topics as far as investing goes. So now what happens when that is the case and it becomes very mainstream and it becomes where everybody is wanting to do it is a lot of times we assume that it's a lot easier and you can make a lot more money than, than you really can. Right. And so now it's, it's really time to start to say, okay, let's take a, let's take a step back and see where we're, where we're getting that advice from. How are we underwriting our deals? Who are we placing that responsibility on to tell us or help us decide whether or not we're making the right move or making a, a good decision with our investing, right? Short-term rentals are not for everybody. I mean, nothing is for everybody, right? And so I think it's important for us to be, to start having some of those conversations. And Scott and I are like, hey, miss, listen, we we have a, a mentorship, a coaching program. And at this stage, we're by by invitation only. And, and, you know, we only work with certain people that are really diving into this game. But we don't want to we don't want to come across as discouraging people to, to get in this game. But what I really want to do is give people some pause of saying, hey, what should I, what questions should I be asking? What should I be doing before I dive into the game? Right. And, and I think that's where 
you know, one of the, I know that you've mentioned a couple things that always come up is that, hey, are the, are the markets too high right now? Is it too expensive to buy this asset? And can I still make money in this game? The answer is yes. The answer is tomorrow. Is there going to be the, the chance to invest in it? Yes. Any market presents opportunities. But now rates are up. Prices have been at all-time highs, and they just continue to go up. And I think that that's not going to stop. We can talk about that here in the future, or in the minute. But it's uh, if if you're paying higher interest rates, high prices, and a lot of markets, your your margins are starting to shrink, right? And so you better understand what it takes to succeed in this game. Can you still succeed? Absolutely. I mean, I, I made an offer on a property just this morning. There are properties we see all day, every day in our group and our, us personally that we're making offers on. There's good deals in almost every market. Guess what though? There's bad deals in almost every market. To your point, you said somebody will reach out randomly to you on social platform and tell you about their property and say, hey, I just bought this and I didn't, you know, I, I'm struggling with it. Can you look at it and tell me why? Well, you can see right, right out of the gate because of what we do, we can see two or three reasons why they probably shouldn't have bought that property, right? And, but they, if you can't recognize why you should buy a property or why you shouldn't buy a property, that's when I caution you to say, okay, take a couple steps back and understand what you're doing. Even if you've had some success in something else in real estate, this is an entirely different asset class. It drives me nuts that people think that this is a residential property because you're buying residential properties. If your use for this property is to run a short-term rental, which is a business and really its own asset class and needs to be treated as such, people just assume that if it's a residential property that, okay, well, I've, I've bought residential properties before, I get it, I get what I'm doing here. You don't, you don't really understand it, right? I mean, I always tell people that, it, hey, if you go to a real estate agent and ask them to help you with a commercial property and they sell residential real estate, they're gonna say, you know what, I can't help you with that, Sean. I don't, do, I don't, I don't sell commercial properties. You're gonna have to talk to a commercial agent. If you go ask them, hey, can you help me with a short-term rental? They're going to look at it and say, heck yeah, I can sell that to you. And I'll help you with that. And I understand that because it's a residential property. And that's not the case, right? It's, it's fine. They can sell it to you and they can help you with property values as far as the residential side of the value. But if you're getting advice from them on the actually what this business looks like and how to help you analyze it as a short-term rental, then if that's not what they do, they're going to struggle to help you with that, even though they might think they can. And I think, I think, individually we think that as well like well i kind of understand the residential game so i probably can i'll be fine in the short-term rental game that's not the case yeah it's such a good point and it's it's a difficult position right some people look at us and they're like why would i pay for this i've got, I've got some background i think i can do this and we're not throwing any trash at realtors right they're all doing their job and their job is to get those properties up to show you what the benefits are and say hey do you want to buy it help you negotiate right but when a realtor does that and you get i mean you mentioned these emails to me that you get here's the potential of this property. If that's all that you have to go off of, that person's got an incentive to make sure this property sells, right? And to give you the best idea they can of it. But if they aren't in the game and you're not analyzing it yourself, that's where you get into trouble as opposed to our incentive. I mean, your entire reputation is based on what you teach being accurate and what your members are doing being successful. That's a different yeah. incentive than trying to get you to buy something this year. Way different incentive, right? And and that's what you know. There's people that that how many times Scott do we hear? Why do you give lifetime access to your your coaching program? Why are you selling lifetime access? That that makes no sense. We have mentors that tell us that. We have coaches that tell us that. 
And people are like, why would you do that? Just sell an eight week course or just sell a weekend seminar or something, you know, just sell it that way and have an end to it. The fact of the matter is that's not how we see this business. This is a long-term game to us. This is a process, not an event. And so with, an, with a realtor, for example, that's an event. They're working toward an event, a sell of a property, right? They're working toward a closing and then they're out of the picture for the most part until you buy your next property, right? They're not there for the long term. So there's not a huge incentive for them to understand the entire game which is a long game, right? There's three major phases in this game, acquisition, setup and management, and marketing. That's a long game. And it's this rinse and repeat game that we talk about. And and I see, and I'm not, I'm gonna get on this tangent with realtors for a minute. And I don't want anybody to think that I'm anti-realtor. Anybody who knows me, one, I own a brokerage. And so one, I am, I am a licensed realtor and I own a brokerage. I think there's a huge problem within this industry. And mostly because they're not all created equal. Most, most realtors are not going to take the time to understand this, this asset class with, and, and if they do, they're going to say, if they, if they do take the time, they're going to stand out like a sore thumb. So look and see who you're working with. There's some amazing realtors out there. So first and foremost, don't think I'm th throwing a bunch of shade, but this is something we see all the time. And right now, what I see is there's a lot of experts out there, so-called experts that are that are experts as far as realtors. I know some really, really good agents. I'm going to read you an email that I got. I'm not going to pull it up because I don't want to show um, the person's name and where they're from. So I'm not going to show you the screen share. I got this this morning. This is from a good agent in a really hot vacation rental market. And it says, and I know her, and she sells a lot of real estate. And she says, um, it comes to me and says 200,000 in rental projections, huge money maker, motivated sellers. Let me know if you want to check this out. I pulled up the property, you guys, $200,000 in rental projections, huge money maker, motivated sellers. Pull up the listing, $2.6 million property. So at $200,000 or $200,000 in rental income, I'm going to tell you right now, without running a full analysis, without doing anything else, that is not a huge moneymaker. So it's misleading. And I've got, what if I didn't know that? What if I'm just looking at it saying, holy crap, that's awesome. You know, what if I'm just a consumer that's diving into this game and I'm talking to an agent who sells a lot of houses, who is an expert in this market, which is, which is a vacation rental market. It's a, it's a hot vacation beach market. And I get that email, huge moneymaker, motivated seller, what am I supposed to do other than be like, hey, this is exciting. I want to, I want to talk to you. Tell me more about it. Guys, at $2.6 million, your break even on that would be around $260,000 in gross revenue. So you have to make making over $300,000 for that to even be considered, in my opinion, as a good moneymaker. And so, but if you don't know that, if you've never done this, if you've never analyzed a deal, how do you know where to come up with these numbers? Another agent. This is, I'm giving you examples that I had in the last day. And the reason I'm sticking on this point for so long is there's too many people out there that are so-called experts that have an ulterior motive to sell you a property, which is fine. That's their job. That's what they should do. That's what they, I want to pay them to do it. And I want to pay them for their expertise as far as their market knowledge. But I do not pass the, the buck to them ever, 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 ever. And I said this in a previous podcast to analyze and underwrite my deals, ever. That's my responsibility. I'm writing the check. 
I'm going to be dealing with it for the long term. Good or bad, I'm not calling the real estate agent up and sharing my profits, and I'm not calling the real estate agent up and saying, hey, you told me this made more money than it did. Can you help me write these checks that I'm covering the, you know, to cover this property? Because you didn't tell me the right, the right numbers on this. That's not happening. It's your responsibility to do it. Just got another email, and, and I saw another, and I'm not going to say these markets because I don't want you to figure out who these agents are. Because I like them. I think they're great agents. This is a market that's in my backyard. I know an agent. She's one of the top agents in the market. Like one of the top real estate agents here in, in my backyard and, and sells a ton of houses. Makes a lot of money. Makes probably close to seven figures selling real estate. She knows what she's doing when it comes to real estate. N never would discount that. She started saying recently she bought a, she bought a vacation rental. And it was about a million dollar property. I know very well the details of the property. So I'm just going to tell you the details of the property. Million dollar property. She's renting it right now for $300 a night. Again, way too cheap on the nightly rate for a million dollar property. But that's not my point. My point here is now all of a sudden she's out there saying, hey, listen, I'm, doing, I'm, I'm this expert in real estate. Um, and she is. She's absolutely an expert in real estate. Now she's getting into the short-term rental game. She could become an expert in short-term rentals, but the, what she's using to show that she's an expert in short-term rentals is her experience buying this one property. So one property she bought, great property, all over social media, using it, how great it is to have this as an investment. It's, you know, everybody's paying my bills and somebody else is paying for the house. If you want to learn to do this and I can help you find a vacation rental to do the same thing, come, come find me. Great. She's marketing. She's going to try to help you as an agent sell the house. So technically, she's an expert real estate agent, and she is. I'm not saying technically like as a to, to make a joke about it. She really is. She knows what she's doing in residential sales. I would argue that she's not an expert in short-term rentals. And there's where this crossover comes. And we see this all the time, and it really stresses me out a little bit. Because she went and bought a vacation rental. I know I don't know her gross revenue numbers. But I can run the numbers based on what she paid for this property and I know what her nightly rates are that she's renting this property out and she's bragging about her high occupancy. No shit she has high occupancy. I can, you're renting a million dollar property for $300 a night. Your, your, your property is going to have high occupancy, but you're not making any money at that, right? So if you're, if you're really trying to become an expert and maximize an asset and understand a market and really dive into it, it, and maybe maybe your property goals are just to supplement a, a vacation home, right? If you're just trying to buy something and you don't care whether you have a negative cash flow or whether you pay for your bills or anything else, great. Maybe that's her property goals. So maybe I'm giving, maybe I'm maybe I'm being a little too hard right here because I don't know her property goals. Everybody's property goals are different, and I really don't know. Maybe that's what her property goals are. What I'm what I get frustrated about is all of the social media stuff and marketing around, okay, now I'm this expert in short-term rentals and I can help you go find one. When a lot of people, and, and this is what, if you're listening to this, you're obviously, I'm probably preaching the choir. You're probably taking this a little bit more serious than most. But I also hear all the time, and I don't have a lot of sympathy for this, frankly. I hear all the time, well, my realtor told me to do this, or my realtor told me it was going to be you have make more money than it did or or somebody else my friend told me that they have a property or what's really common is in in the rules and regulations and being being able to actually operate as a short-term rental 
because there's a lot of areas you can't operate in a short-term rental. They say, well, my realtor told me I could, or my friend's doing it, or I looked on Airbnb and it, and there, they, there's, there's short-term rentals there, so I must be able to do it. No, that's not how you decide, right? The same as you don't have an agent tell you that underwrite the deal for you, unless they say, hey, listen, I've underwritten these deals, and let me show you what I'm looking at. I'm okay with that, but then go verify everything. But just to say, well, somebody, so-and-so hasn't, don't do it with me either. Don't say, well, hey, Sean knows, Sean's got these properties and makes money. I, I should be able to show you how I underwrite something, right? If I'm going to give you advice on something, I'm going to show you how to do it so you can do it yourself. Even in my mentorship program, I review all of our members' deals. I see all of the deals that come through. But Scott, do I underwrite their deals for them? No. No, you'll send it back. if they. I send it back and I say, I want you to know how to do this. I want you to tell me what this looks like based on what I taught you, and I will look it over and make sure the T's are crossed, the I's are dotted, and see if I can see anything additional to it. But I don't want you to trust me any more than I want you to trust a realtor or anybody else. You better figure out how to do this stuff. If you don't know how to do it, you go figure it out. If you, if you, you know, or find somebody that knows how to do it and can teach you to do it, right? I saw a really interesting, a really interesting guy. Uh, um, explanation of a teacher and a mentor today. And I, it really kind of hit home. It said a teacher is somebody who learns like from a book and or learns from, you know, somebody else, you know, his methods, and then they go reteach it, right? A mentor is somebody who actually does it, had success in it, and then they teach it, right? Like they, they're somebody that you, that is doing what you want to do, and then they teach it out. It's different, right? I never, I never really thought of teachers and mentors any differently. But now it kind of made me think, okay, that's interesting because yeah, that's probably right. There are a lot of teachers who teach stuff that have never done it. But there's also a men you can't be a mentor if you've never done it, right? The the definition of a mentor is that you're actually teaching somebody how to do something that you've already run down that road doing. Well, if you want to buy a million dollar property and rent it out for three hundred dollars a night, talk to somebody who's done that. If you want to buy a million dollar property and figure out how to rent it for, probably you're going to need uh, you know a thousand to fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars a night. Find somebody who's done that too, right? There's people who have done both, so figure out who you're going to talk to. So sorry, Scott, I, I rambled probably more than I should have on realtors, and I don't want because here's the thing: we have there's there's so many. I mean, we're lumping them in as they're as if they're all one of one in the same in one group, right? And they get a bad rap, and it's those bad apples that give people the bad rap, right? And I I definitely don't think that there's not some amazing agents. I mean, how many times in our group do I say uh, the a good realtor is one of your main team members and they're worth their weight in gold? Like I have amazing relationships with a lot of agents across the country. Even those amazing relationships, I still don't let them do my underwriting, but I have amazing relationships and use those realtors. Uh, exclusively in the areas that I'm working. Like I, I find somebody I'm working with. And so, I mean, we have, how many realtors do we have in our mentorship program that's, that are taking it really serious saying, hey, this is a growing asset class that I really know nothing about. And they are, they're humble enough to say, I want to learn this so that not only myself, I can do this correctly, but I want to, I want to help my clients do this correctly. I want to help and point them in the right direction. So there's, so there's the flip side of that coin too, where there's a lot of realtors who take it really responsibly and, and are doing the right thing. The reason I'm, the reason I'm pounding and, and hounding on realtors is saying is because we hear this all the time, right? We hear that excuse. That's not, and, and I want to also be clear, that's not the realtor's fault. 
That's your fault. That's the person who's saying, if you ever, if you ever say, like, I'm, I, you'd better take responsibility, look in the mirror and say, who made the decision? Who wrote the check? If you wrote the check, then you better, sh- you should have done your due diligence, right? It's your responsibility to find that out. And, and that's where, I think that's the, the point I want to make here is it's not anybody else's responsibility. It's your responsibility to do that. And if I could think of one characteristic, Sean, that characterizes our group, it is that. These are folks that understand I'm in charge of my life. I'm going to be in charge of my life. Therefore, I want to invest in me so that I'm capable of doing this because I know when I list this thing on VRBO and all of a sudden I get crickets or when I have an issue and the manager says this and this actually happens, I actually know what to do instead of like, well, shoot, so-and-so told me X, Y, Z. And that control... This is more my generation than yours, but so many people right now are looking for the easy button investing. Just get into X, just get into X, Y, Z. And that mindset will just destroy any yeah. investment. You've got to pick a lane, become an expert at it, get good at it, know what you're doing, and then get into it. I, I, I just out of curiosity, are you implying I'm older than you? <laughs> you're, you're my generation and yours. <laughs> I don't know what's worse, me to imply that you're older or me to claim millennial as, as my generation. Yeah, hey, listen, I the easy button is not exclusive to any generation. I promise you that. That's, uh, that is a, that is a universal, universally attractive to almost every generation. And unfortunately, that's what we sell. And frankly, our, we're, I, when I look back at some of the things that we've put out there, we might have been misleading that, hey, this is easier than it is. I mean, I'll, I'll be the first to admit when we look back at some of our stuff, how many times in the last month or so, Scott, have we had conversations where I mean, and like you guys heard me, Scott runs all of our marketing and our messaging and our copywriting and all that stuff. And then, you know, together we put that stuff together. How many conversations have I said, hey, we need to we need to start talking about some of the mistakes. We need to start showing people some of the things that they should look for, some red flags and things that should give them pause in some of these markets rather than always saying how awesome and great this is because we do love it. Like this is this is such a fun asset class. And sometimes we get stuck on that because we don't want to be negative. I don't want to just sit and harp on, well, you, you know, this is, there's all these scary things to look for. There's scary things in everything, right? There's, there's, there's drawbacks to every road you run down. There's some challenges in every road you run down. But sometimes ourselves, we're even guilty of saying, Hey, this is so great that if you just do this, you're going to have success. And that's not the case either. Right. And so, um, but that, you know, and so, so just, you know, everybody's attracted to that, that easy button. Everybody's attracted to the diet pill and not the workout plan. We talk about that all all the time recently. And, And it's to the point is that is attractive to so many people. And it's unfortunate that that's where, that's where we're at in a society is just thinking, okay, what's the fastest, easiest way for me to get something done instead of how can I do this? Like we, we talk about that saying that the Navy SEALs, slow is smooth, smooth is fast, right? Let's follow this process and it's actually going to be the fastest road to success, right? Let's, let's slow down, understand what we're getting into, learn the process, and then be able to run fast, Right, rather than running fast into something that we don't know, and we we don't go into it with our eyes wide open, and there's all these big surprises that are that are tough to deal with. It sometimes if you if you I mean, what if you buy the wrong property? What if you get into a market that doesn't make sense? Those are tough adjustments to make. Those are probably the next case studies that we should publish because our case studies look like zero to sixty in you know two years. Right, I, I had nothing, and now I have a portfolio of three, and here's how it's doing. And we skip the parts of like, well, for these three months. 
I was really scratching my head. I was really worried about XYZ. I had to replace the septic tank, et cetera, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I hear you. It's hard to give a complete message when you've got this much of a person's attention. And I think if we did, we'd say this. That's, a, that's, a, that's the biggest problem. You know, you got, what, you got 15 seconds on half the stuff we built we build out now. And I'm like, I mean, I, you can't even tell the whole story, right? It's impossible. So those of you listening, I appreciate you spending more than 15 seconds with us because this is uh, <laughs> this allows us to get a little bit more of these messages out there. Um, what else, Scott? What are some of those other things that are on top of people's mind? I, I know that I, I don't, I don't want to harp on, I don't want people to think we're just harping on the realtors and, and those professionals that, because I love them and we use them all the time, but, but it, it's just, it speaks to the, the mentality that we want, that we see a lot where people want to pass the buck to somebody else. They want to say, well, this person's doing it, and I should just tell me why. I, I, a guy just sent me a message today. He said, "Hey, I got a lot of friends that are successful in this. Tell me what Odyssey can do if I if I've already got a, a group of friends that are successful." Psh, shit, I don't know. I mean, maybe your friends are maybe I don't know what successful means to you. I don't know what they're doing. I mean, do you do you really? How do you know how successful they are? I mean, I, I mean that's a to me just getting the message out to ask better questions. I mean, that's not a to me that's not a great question. Like, what can you do better? Because I got friends that are doing it. I don't know. Maybe maybe your friends are exactly what you need. Maybe they're not. I don't know. I, I need more information than that. Gosh, that's such a good point. That's one thing you're really good at is getting specific. And if somebody joins us, that's the first thing we have them do. And once you're clear on that picture, you're a lot further along. To your point, wondering what else people are looking at. You know, you and I wrote the uh, Why We're Buying Vacation Homes Now report, what, a year and a half ago? When everybody was up in arms about housing prices and everything else. And we said some really important things about supply and demand in that report. And now I feel like we're due for a second one. A few things that are on everybody's mind right now, obviously, interest rates going up, inflation going up, housing prices still going up. What would you say about those? Yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's uh, to those of you that have downloaded that or seen that. Yeah, we, we did a, a market report of and really addressing the fact that the big question back then was, are we are we going to have a bubble? Is the bubble about to burst? You know, should we still be buying? Because, you know, we were, were afraid of what we saw back in 2008 when the bubble burst. And we really, the our opinion about that was, the, in my opinion still is, and always has been, is real estate is a very much a supply and demand it, um, market, right? Like most markets, it's very simple economics typically it's driven by supply and demand. And right now in the real estate game, we have a really low supply. Inventory levels are almost non-existent in some markets, which is why you still continue to see prices skyrocket. You continue to see multiple offers. You continue to have to battle out when you when you are making an offer with, you know, 10, 15, 20 other buyers. And so, and that hasn't stopped. And so until that slows, I don't think prices are going to slow down any. And we've got rates that are going up right now, which is going to curb. And, and, and frankly, some of those people that are getting loans, myself included, I, the, my buying power, I'm in the acquisition phase right now. My buying power just dropped a notch or two because I'm getting a loan and all of a sudden rates are going up. So what I could, what I could qualify for today is less than what I could qualify for three months ago. And so with, with the same everything, right? So my buying power does go down a bit, but there's so much money out there right now. There's so much money in the markets that, and you still have, you still have way higher demand for these properties than you have supply and inventory in most markets. And so that report is still very applicable when it comes to supply and demand, right? And 
if the bubble is bursting. Supply and demand doesn't usually catch up overnight. It's not something that, that you can't flip a switch and, and solve the supply and demand issue. And, and I don't see inventory really skyrocketing anytime soon. It's harder, I mean, especially, I mean, builders, I mean, you think builders were behind two years ago, they're more, they're further behind now because of the supply chain issues and these bottlenecks that we're having and all these different things, subcontractors, supply chain, materials, all these different things. And so we're actually, we're actually getting further behind the bus as far, versus closer to catching up to that demand, the demand that is out there for houses right now. And who's there's a lot of there's a lot of sellers that aren't selling, because they're saying, man, I can't. I, I mean, I might be able to cash in, but I'm not gonna be able to buy anything else. So you have sellers, nobody's selling houses. I mean, there's houses for sale, but there's very few sellers. Builders aren't able to catch up fast enough. So that demand, that supply and demand gap is still really really wide. And until that catches up, that market report's really applicable. The things that we have different now are. Everybody's talking about inflation. That's a real that's a real issue right now, right? We have I've heard anywhere from 25 to about 35% of the US currency was printed in a 24 month span. So even if it's on the low side of that, that's a lot of extra money in the markets. And there are a lot of opinions about whether that caused what caused that or didn't cause it. You will have a hard time convincing me that having that much more money in circulation does not cause inflation. So, you know, I look at it as if we're playing Monopoly and we've got a Monopoly game out and my daughter says, hey, dad, can I take the money from this other Monopoly game and can I put it in the game we're playing now? And I, if I allow her to do that, all that happens is we all have more money to play the game and everything costs more, right? We don't have more properties to buy. We don't have more land to build on. And so all of our properties in that monopoly game now are more expensive and nothing really changed other than there's more money in circulation, right? It, to me, you know, maybe there's people smarter than me that can, that can dive into it deeper than that. But to me, that's, that's, that's a big issue for us right now is there's a lot of money out there. Everything has gotten more expensive. And whether you believe that, you know, printing money causes inflation or not, I don't really care. The fact of the matter is we have inflation. And there's a hell of a lot more money in circulation now. Everything costs more. So whatever you attribute it to, you can attribute it to. But th those are the, that, that's what the reality we're dealing with right now. So what does that really mean? If we're, so we're talking about, now we're talking about two things. And this is where I think sometimes we get confused when we talk about market reports and market, you know, what we're doing in the markets is we're talking, we talk a lot about the real estate market, right? The supply and demand on the housing front, right? So, and that's, that's a, that's a shortage. Inventory is less than, supply is less than demand. We have the other market on the back end of this, which is the actual short-term rental market, right? That's the, that's the market of once we own the home, we have the demand of, of guests coming in and, and visiting an area and the supply of homes in those markets, in those other individual markets. And those are all individual little markets that have their own supply and demand issues that you have to deal with. Well, those are acting very similar right now to the real estate market. That's why we get them confused a little bit. There's a, also a supply and demand shortage on the backside when it comes to short-term rentals. And so we've got this, once you actually have a home, now you have the same the same type of a supply and demand issue, and as if you're one of those people with a supply, you have the ability to 
charge a little bit more, be a little bit more aggressive, do some different things to have high occupancy, all those different things that we can do on that side of life. And so we've got supply and demand issues we're looking in two different markets. Well, when you are paying a lot more for a property and you've got high interest rates, so your cost of ownership is higher than it was two or three years ago, and talk to me in two or three more years, and my my guess is, and my bet is, it's gonna be higher than it is today. I don't think it's going, going to change on that side of life. But your, if your margins are a lot thinner, because what we're seeing on the other side is rates are going up, occupancy, occupancy has spiked, like gone up significantly. Rates have not followed occupancy on the short-term rental side like, like they have as far as spiking on house prices. House prices have gone up like crazy with supply and demand. We have not seen that the rates really spiking. They're going up, but they're not spiking and so what that means is your overall revenue, your overall margins are shrinking. I do think that there's, and, and here's the other thing in this game is there's a big gap between the average properties and the top properties. And your goal is to figure out what it takes to operate in that gap because that's how you get those bigger margins. That's how you're able to say, okay, my, my margins in the middle are razor thin right now. In most markets, most markets, if you're operating in the middle, you're probably about break even or you're losing money. And that's what the, a lot of people don't understand. A lot of people do not understand that if you're just average in, in you've got a management company that's doing your job, doing the job for you and they're just kind of getting the, your fair share, you're probably barely breaking even. And sometimes like there's people that I've got a property that we're really profitable on. If somebody bought that same property today, it would be very difficult for them to even make money on it because prices have gone up so high. So the point to all this is, Scott, is when we start talking about these markets is we have to look at a lot of different things to decide if this is a viable game that we want to play. And my opinion is, yes, absolutely, it's a viable game, but also you have to understand the game you're playing or you shouldn't play it because there's too many moving parts. There's too many things you need to look at. Even, even like unpacking it right now, I could go on for another 20 or 30 minutes of all these other layers that we're looking at. And if, you, if you're not even aware of what those next things you should look at are, that's when I think you should have some pause. That's when I think you should pump the brakes a little bit and say, okay, I need to dive into this a little deeper because I really, I just don't like to see when and hear these, these or have these conversations of somebody that got into a game that we love so much that we know that there's, there's opportunity and we know that people are having success, but they just didn't do their homework. They had the guts to get in, which I love. I love that they took action. Like how many people sit on the fence and do nothing, Scott? We talk to people all the time like, ah, I'm going to wait for the market to drop, you know? Well... It's been how many years since the market was at a bottom? Yeah. And even if it starts to drop, what are you going to do? Buy one property every 20 years? That's, there's, you know that there's people that make money in every market. So, so I, I really love when I hear somebody that actually took some action. And it makes me sad when I hear that they took some action, but they really didn't dive into it with their eyes wide open. Does that make sense? Yep, totally. And it, to your point, I think the saltiest thing we put in that market report was newsflash, I hate to say it, but if you're going to wait five or 10 years for the market to come down and then buy, you're not going to be the one buying. We will be because we're in it now and we'll have the money to buy then because it will keep, it'll be a different market then, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And, and we're, we, we buy in up markets and down markets. If you really understand the game you're playing, you can make money every in every market. I mean, the, the, the best of the best, 
they've been in these games for a long time, right? And and they they're in it for a long time because they know how to make money in every market, right? So when you talk to somebody about taking some of their advice, make sure if one they're in the game you're going to play. Make sure they're having some success in the game you're going to play, and maybe ask them how long they've been doing it. Doesn't mean that there's not experts and people that are doing that can learn it. Everybody starts somewhere and could be really good at something without a lot of experience. But it is probably nice to have somebody that you're able to bounce some ideas off that have been up, been through a market change or two, right? I mean, it's I I, I look at that a lot with my mentors. How long have they been in the game? Yeah, I mean, just this game alone, right? It's changed so much in what five to ten years. I remember when Airbnb came out and it was like a bunch of people had a basement and they're like, sure, you can stay in it. Yeah, it's couch surfing. And yeah, exactly. It was all about couch surfing. And then it turned into like just urban property type stuff. I mean, I mean, look where it's gone and matured to to where we're at today. It's crazy. And and this is a really this is a really um, kind of a game that's still in its infant stages when you compare it to other assets and other asset classes in real estate. I mean, this is. This is a so there's not a lot of people that have a lot a, a ton of experience in this game. Frankly, I mean, you know, you you I mean, we we started back in this game. We bought our first one in 2006 as a short term rental. Really didn't get that serious about it until 2012. That's not that long, you know, comparatively speaking. When you're talking about, I mean, I've been a full time real estate investor for 22 years. That's only 10 years that we even started really diving in seriously to this asset class. I think that brings up a good point, which is on a lot of people's mind, or at least maybe it should be, and that is really exciting game right now, really interesting problems right now. You've got to know what you're doing. Where do you see it, Sean, going in the next five to ten years? What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I one, I think it's just going to mature to which we're seeing right now at a rapid pace. It's going to mature to its own asset class, right? And and it's very mainstream now. What I think you're going to start to see is. Almost every municipality and every is going to have very specific zoning for short-term rentals. They're going to have very specific licensing requirements, just like you would any a commercial property, a Seven Eleven on a corner, an apartment complex. You're gonna. It's going to be its own asset class. It's going to be separated from residential real estate. And I think that. And I think that's a good thing for the industry. I think we're going to start to see a lot more. On the software side, as far as analytics, we're going to start to see. I think I think there will be big um, investors coming into coming into like the IT side of this game, where it really helps us to analyze these these markets and this as an asset class. I think you're going to eventually see institutional money start to come into this game, which right now we don't see a lot of. Um, I just think it's going to grow up like you and and become its own its own major asset class like you see in in across other industries you know multifamily commercial all these other ass all these other um you know identified asset classes and i, I mean it's not going to go anywhere it's going to be a major part of the hospitality industry um I, I wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised at all if you start to see a lot of the major hospitality brands start to get into this game and really start to Really, and they already are. They're already start. They're already. Te- they're already coming in. Marriott's been coming in pretty strong recently. There's a lot of them are coming into the game, and uh, I, I think it's great for the industry. I, I think it's uh, you know this is very much a mom and pop industry up to this point, and it was the wild west for a long time. We're kind of past the wild west stage, and we're growing up. And you do have you do have those two different hosts now. You've got kind of those professional hosts that are worried about kind of branding and operating at a professional level and you still have those mom and pops that are looking at 
you know, supplementing a vacation home based on their property goals. And that's okay. You're always going to have that in this space. But I think you're going to start to see that professional side really start to mature and start to move, move into, um, you know, a lot of different things. And I think that, I think what that brings along with it, which I think is a good thing is there's, because of the, because of the mainstream um, that it is as mainstream as it is, I think you're going to start to see a lot of these municipalities, sometimes they swing the pendulum so far one way and say, we're, we're absolutely shutting them down. We hate them, blah, 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 blah. I think the pendulum is going to swing to the middle somewhere. And I think it's good, but I also, I don't, I don't believe short-term rentals should be placed anywhere. I do believe there needs to be some responsibility as far as where you put them, how many you allow, so that markets just can't become completely short-term rentals and there's no long-term rentals for residents and um, you, you know your hospitality workers or the you know the people that are outside of the hospitality industry that live in these areas. So I, I think there's a lot of responsibility that comes with with owning these properties, but it has to come with some regulations too, because most people aren't going to just, you know, voluntarily say, well, yeah, that's probably not a good fit here. Right. Yeah. That's interesting to think about how that landscape will change. And I, yeah, I mean, it's, you think about it, it's really a privilege to be able to do this and you want to do it well for your guests and for the community. So that's a huge point, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So awesome, man. What, a, what, a, anything else you've got on the, I know we're kind of wrapping up on time-wise. Um, Anything that's coming to mind that uh, we didn't hit on today? I kind of rambled off on a few different things. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I, I guess a big one that just always comes up in my mind is what do you feel like the biggest things are that hold people back? Not people that shouldn't be doing it. Not somebody with not the right savings or not the right mindset, but somebody that's like, look, I've got capital to deploy. I believe this is the right asset, but I'm scared. Or I'm looking at this particular market, and to me, to my eyes, it doesn't look good. What would you say to those folks? Yeah, one, you might be making the right decision. I would say look into it enough to where you actually understand it. A lot of times for the right person that we talk to, they're like, hey, you're they're they're the right person to get into the game. They really they they want to do it. But a lot of times what holds them back is that they haven't done enough due diligence. They don't know the right people to ask the questions to. They might be just seeing there's so much noise out there online, right? And some good, some bad, and everything in between, right? And so I would say it's okay to go slow in the beginning. It's okay to do your due diligence in the beginning. But if you're going to do something and you have an intention to move forward, the best time to buy something was yesterday. So is it a rush to buy? Hell yes, it's a rush to buy. Like I'm, I'm always in a rush to buy because I want to get that asset in my portfolio as soon as possible once I make a decision that that's the road I'm running down. But I, want to, I also want to be able to make the decision with enough responsibility that, hey, if something happens, I know why it happened and I kind of know what to expect going into it. There's never any guarantees investing in anything, including short-term rentals. As much as we underwrite these deals and analyze these deals, that doesn't give me a stamp saying, okay, this is a guaranteed perfect property or you're going to guarantee this success with this. So you have to also be able to know the difference between enough to move forward and not enough to move forward, right? And so it, it's that... When you're on the fence, look in the mirror and say, what have I done to, to be able to feel comfortable moving forward? Do I know how to analyze a deal? Do I know how to analyze a market? Do I know what it was, it's going to take to operate at the top of a market? If I don't know those answers, I probably should be waiting. But if I have a pretty good idea of those answers and how to do that and who, who can help me with that, then it's okay to move forward. And, and you'll learn that along the way, right? And there's, there's people like us out there 
there's, we're not the only game in town, right? There's a lot of responsible people that are, that are willing to help you and mentor you and, and teach you how to do something. And Tony Robbins always says, you know, you, you can figure anything out under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun, right? You hire coaches, you hire mentors to compress time, like, right? Because to my point earlier, it is a rush, right? Time is the most limited resource we have. And so, and you'll never convince me otherwise. If, if I ever, if I ever get really, really upset about something, it's because somebody was on my calendar and they shouldn't have been on my calendar. Because I don't want my time is valuable, just like yours is. Anybody's listening to this is anybody's any that that's that's one thing we all have in common. It's our most finite resource. And so, is it a rush? Hell yeah, it's a rush. And so, I'm not saying rush into something without your eyes wide open, though. Is that that might be a is that a does that make sense, Scott? Yeah, it does to me. And if I can be a marketer for two seconds, if you're stuck, folks that are listening, Sean is never going to do this on the podcast, but I will book a call with us. We have professional team members, many of them successful in their own right with these, with several properties that would love to talk to you about it. And if you've ever had a call with our team, it's not, hey, you should definitely do this. It's, well, let's look seriously at this. If you're going to do this, you're looking at a 5, 10, 15, 20 year decision. Let's help you figure it out. So right. that's my plug. That's- you haven't done that yet. Hey, there you go. Call to action. Scott's always telling me, he's like, Sean, you got to have a call to action every time you record something. And I don't. I'm just like, hey, listen, they'll find me. If they want to find out what we're doing, half the time people are like, what do you do, right? Yeah, <laughs> I just, right. And, we, and to your point, to Scott's point, book a call with us. Go to vodacy.com, check it out. There's, there's lots of different resources on there. And if you do have questions, we will take the time and answer them. And we do take them very seriously. We don't, this is not, hey, book a call with us so we can sell you on our program. It's, it is by invitation only. We truly mean that. It's not, we only have invites for people that we feel like are the right fit and not the right fit just for us because we might feel like, hey, we can really help you. But if you're not quite in the spot where we feel like you're ready to move forward, we're going to point you in the right direction so you get there as well. And so um, I've had interviews on this podcast with some of our members that said, man, I got on the phone and I thought, I mean, I think it was Trago who just said he was on and he said, I got on the phone and I talked to one of your team members. And then they're like, hey, you got to talk to Sean. These are really good questions for him. And he's like, oh, I put it off for two weeks because I'm like, oh, here comes the closer, you know. And, uh, <laughs> and if they only knew, he said, I got on the phone, my wife and I got off the phone. We were like, man, we didn't, that's not what we expected. We expected him to like talk us into it. And, and essentially you were telling us, no, you're not ready. You're not, you're not, you're not right where you need to be. And here's where you need to go first um, to decide if this is the game you want to play. Cause to Scott's point, this is a, this is a big decision. Diving into a long-term asset class is a big decision and it's not to be taken lightly. And so there's, there's some of those, you know, those take your time to make those decisions. But once you make the decision you're in, then you run down the road as fast as you can with the right, with the right plan and path to follow. I love it. Awesome. My man. Well, listen, we, uh, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We're going to wrap it up. So we, Scott and I could ramble like this for a long time. We're going to do more of these. Let us know if you like these episodes, let us know in the, in the comments, leave, leave us a review, like us, like Scott said, if you want to talk to us, go check out odyssey.com. But more importantly, if you got any value out of this, leave us a review, share it with somebody, you know, and that'll, that'll give us an indication that this is something that you want to hear more of. And we'll start coming and having more of these, just kind of these kind of chats where we just kind of ramble on different things that are going on in the industry, different emails that we might get, different questions that we have. And so as always, you guys, we really, really appreciate you being a part of the show, listening. Like I said before, your time we know is so valuable. It's the, the most finite resource all of us have. And so we really appreciate you spending it with us. 
And as always, I leave you with that one last request, which is go pick one thing you can do today to start building that life you don't want to take a vacation from. Cheers, my friends. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Vacation Rental Revolution podcast. Share this with other people you think need to hear about it. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. Hey, Grace, is there a website? Yes! For more amazing content and expert advice, visit bodicey.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.